It's been one year since the full-scale invasion by Russia on Ukraine. We have all witnessed live how people had to flee their homes and how they were taken in by fellow Europeans in an instant when seeking shelter. The EU also reacted fast. On the 4th of March 2022, for the very first time in history, it had pulled the so-called Temporary Protection Directive. Its principle? Granting Ukrainians fast access to national labor markets and social protection systems. The directive has now been prolonged for yet another year. But what will happen then? Today, we want to take stock of one year under the Temporary Protection Directive and the possible ways out of it. Joining me today to uncover this question is asylum expert Martin Wagner, who is a senior policy advisor at ICMPD. Welcome, Martin. How are you? Well, hello. Nice to be here. Uh, we sat here exactly one year ago and produced a podcast episode called Temporary Protection Directive, What You Need to Know Now. And this podcast episode was very well received because at that time nobody really knew what the directive is and what it means. Can you refresh our memories? What does the directive say? Yeah, so uh, indeed, it's uh, one year that uh, the Temporary Protection Directive was triggered. And um, it actually was triggered because uh, it was clear that many people have to leave uh, Ukraine because of the unprovoked invasion of Russia uh, to Ukraine. Um, and as there were so many people leaving at once, and as the European Union, as the neighboring uh, region of uh, Ukraine uh, received most of the people uh, who, who left Ukraine. There was the need for an for a unbureaucratic, for a fast way of receiving uh, people fleeing from, from Ukraine. And um, there was an old instrument there, the Temporary Protection Directive. I think it is in the meantime, at least most people have heard of it. Uh, and this uh, instrument was triggered uh, in an incredible speed within one week, basically, from the time of the invasion on 24th of February, on 4th of March. Um, it was triggered on the proposal by the European Commission and by a council decision, council implementing decision. And uh, since then, one year, uh, we have this um, in force. And uh, how many people are currently under the Temporary Protection Directive, if you happen to know? Uh, so it's uh, approximately 5 million uh, people. So basically this instrument is basically the instrument that provided protection for most of the people who left or who fled from Ukraine. And are there also a number of those people who are in Europe and did not make use of this uh, European Protection Directive? The numbers we have is that we have one number that is from UNHCR. So they are recorded around 8 million uh, people who left from Ukraine, uh, uh, who are around uh, Europe. And we know that 5 million are registered, but mm -hmm. the numbers are not completely clear. We know that, for example, we have numbers of border crossings. This is, I think, something like 19 yeah. million. But here we also know that this is not individuals, of course. These are um, just the border crossings, so one person can move more times back and forth. So we have a bit uh, unclarity with numbers, but uh, the registrations, it's about 5 million. Mm -hmm. And that's already a good reference number. And now the directive is in place for one year. 
what is your impression? What worked well, both for the States and uh, for the Ukrainians too? I think somehow before you said last time we met more or less was one year ago. I think we both or not many hoped or thought that uh, we would really need to have another podcast one, one year later. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I must say I was quite interested to see how the temporary protection directive will, will unfold in the countries and in Europe more generally. I think the instrument proved the right instrument. It proved or it gave this opportunity to member states to have an unbureaucratic uh, instrument to receive people from Ukraine. It was quite quickly also implemented in countries. Yes, we had some differences in the different countries of the EU. This starts with the group that is covered. The, the commission and the council gave some leeway to member states uh, whom to take in and whom to not. But in general, I, I would not go into details here. I think it worked really well. I think the other thing that I find also quite remarkable, last year in this podcast, I said it is a bit of a risk because it is a, an instrument we don't know because it was never used. Yeah. And mm. um, this was remarkably uh, well working at the end, I really must say. So overall, you would say it worked well? Yes, it worked well. It worked also well because two things I would probably one more time single out, this unity uh, mm -hmm. that it worked well. And I think also for the population, I think they also saw or sensed that there is an instrument there. Yes, there are many people. Yes, there are challenges. But there is an instrument there that provides within the European Union a clear roadmap how we go about to admit uh, those people. They were allowed to, to register. They were allowed to arrive uh, without any bigger problems. They had a residence allowance. They were able to access schools. They were able to uh, access the labor market. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So all these kind of things were very clear from beginning on. And I think uh, this showed also the population, okay, there's a clear way that we go in, in, in receiving people from Ukraine. And of course, the neighborhood to Ukraine and all the pictures that we saw also showed a quite a good understanding for the, of the population for these measures. Now, any project, be it an emergency or not, of that scale has also its pitfalls. What did you observe as maybe problems that have emerged that maybe have not been thought about before or that were already calculated, but member states did not know how to deal them or how to address them? So, yeah, in a nutshell, what were the, the pitfalls? I think pitfalls is a bit difficult to say, but I will try to, to respond to it in, in a way. I think one thing that we saw is, and it's logical to a certain extent, People from Ukraine are, of course, not equally distributed among EU countries. This is clear. Most people stayed in the direct neighborhood, of course, Poland uh, with the biggest number of people from Ukraine, but also um, Czech Republic, Slovakia. Czech Republic, by the way, received the most per capita uh, people, but also mm -hmm. Germany. So th these are clear that it's not very equally uh, distributed, but this would have been actually also one part in the directive. Another part that is also something that was probably logical or is a side effect of a temporary protection kind of instrument is that the temporarity is, of course, not very helpful for measures like finding access to the labor market. Yeah? An employer who invests would like to have some security how long a person is here. 
And I think here we, we saw some, some, some issues, but still also it worked rather well. And actually compared to, to other groups, it, it worked really well overall. And yes, and what we see now more and more is, uh, although we still have two years to go with the Temporary Protection Directive, so in maximum the, the, this directive can be triggered for three years, so until uh, March 25 actually, we see already now that we have to also think a bit what happens then. And uh, I think here we also have not too many answers in the directive and uh, there's some space that we need to look at. What was the reason for the EU to now prolong the, the temporary protection directive and not to say, we don't know how long this is going to last, but we need to find a more permanent solution. Why did they prolong it now? And I think you already said in the last podcast one year ago that it can be prolonged twice. Now it was already prolonged once. Yeah. So uh, indeed, I think so. So the, the first, since it was triggered one year ago, so the directive foresees one year, uh, the first kind of timeline. And uh, this timeline would start, stop actually now on 4th uh, March 2023, so one year after it was triggered. And there is a mechanism in the directive how to prolong it. Basically, the commission has the possibility to propose to the council to not prolong it. If there's no action, basically, then it will be prolonged for another year. And it was actually quite, quite early. The commission already flagged that they, they will propose to, to have it for another year. Uh, this was already in October uh, 2022. And I think it was also clear for one reason. There came winter time. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is we saw the attacks uh, by Russia to critical infrastructure and all these things were, were quite clear. Okay, there is a, a kind of escalation uh, because of winter in order to, to press Ukrainians also. And um, I think this was a very logical step. Uh, and also just imagine we have this big group of people. We mentioned already uh, five to plus uh, million Uh, and there's no way that we would have uh, had to end this by basically now March 2023. And I think it is also completely mm -hmm. backed by member states uh, or expected even by um, everyone. Was it backed by all member states? Yeah, I don't have any, any indication okay. of any member state that uh, would have not been in line with this decision. We are now one year into the war. The war is going on. You've already mentioned that ways to exit temporary protection have to be discussed. And you've already mentioned that so far, there is nothing really there on the table. Did I understand that right? Exactly. Um, I mean, it is two years still, as I said, maximum to go. Well, this is the possibility to extend temporary protection, but then the directive actually says it's over. Yeah? And then there's the, the, the need to, to look for what to do then. Yeah? So what could be possible ways out? Yeah, this is the big question that we have actually in, in this context. Yeah? And I think we mentioned it already a bit before. Or why do I think that it's important to think about it now is we have many people involved. We have many countries involved. We have Ukraine involved. And each of them have very specific interests. So the, the individuals clearly need to have some kind of perspectives. Where should be their future? Where can be their future? 
If they remain on temporary protection, I already mentioned a bit, there are some, some issues with also finding employment because if you have all this temporariness, mm -hmm. it's not very helpful for that, but it's also not healthy to develop your future. Huh? So Ukrainians or those beneficiaries of temporary protection who are now under the, uh, this directive, for them there, there needs to be some clarity. And the clarity can be in the country where they are, can be in the way of returning to Ukraine, if it is possible, or it can be also moving on to another country. For the host countries, there's also a big issue. Yeah? I mean, there's a reason, and I mentioned it a bit, why the Temporary Protection Directive was triggered in the first place, meaning if it ends and then everyone would uh, move into the asylum procedure, then we actually have exactly the situation that we actually wanted to avoid, meaning we wanted to avoid a blockade of the of the asylum procedure because it is administratively very very uh, difficult to process so many people and all states also have an interest probably to retain some of the workforce that uh, found already employment yeah probably there is also this interest there and then of course we have ukraine and ukraine was already before the war, lost uh, quite a, a part of the population in 2014 in a way, uh, but also afterwards and is a shrinking population in a way. Now with uh, five to five plus uh, million people outside of Ukraine, many internally displaced. Ukraine has an interest, of course, also to get their people back. Uh, they will need them in a post-war reconstruction uh, period. And so there are many, many different interests and to balance these interests and to find a good way out of it, this requires time. And if we just think probably we need some legal framework for that, that needs even more time. Yeah. So yes, uh, it is time to think about and uh, about uh, exiting uh, temporary protection and how this could work. Now, with the experience of the Temporary Protection Directive, which was quite positive, wouldn't it be actually a good model for other crisis situations with uh, huge refugee numbers arriving to the EU? Yeah, I think we spoke about this a bit last time already, uh, one year ago actually, or when we spoke a bit why now and not before in other mm -hmm. circumstances, uh, very often it was uh, in, in the context of 2015 mentioned. But yes, I think the differences um, are there. Um, there is, uh, it is quite clear that you have this aggression from Russia and very clear group, a very clear determined group of people these are ukrainians or people who lived in ukraine at a certain time and who left then were covered in this case and this is quite clear to describe in situations like 2015 where people quite different people came i think it would be quite difficult to to circumscribe the, the group that should be covered so this is i think one of the things and the other thing i think we know it and we saw it and we spoke also one year ago i think this solidarity towards ukraine is quite exceptional also because of the neighborhood of ukraine also because of yeah actually historical backgrounds that play quite a significant part for especially for you countries in the east who have a lot of sympathy towards um, Ukraine. So still, I think it is a good instrument, but probably connecting with, with what we just said before is probably we will see only after we exit temporary protection. And if we manage this really also well, we probably might see then whether it's really the best instrument or whether we need to change one or the other thing still. Yeah. But in principle, yes, it is. It, it showed right now as a good tool to receive many people. Yeah. Let's hope that this is something that will continue on the agenda of the European Union. And I hope we will not have to think about it. 
true yeah we can hope but then on the other hand we should be prepared to think about it because we have seen that situation can come up quite quickly if there are our listeners who want to familiarize themselves with the topic more asylum temporary protection directive ukraine what would you recommend that is uh, coming out of your unit as well in which you're working Yeah, I mean, there's for one, we are at the moment in an initiative uh, to to look a bit more about what will be next with temporary protection, because we, as as I said, we we think it is timely to think already about possibilities of what happens after temporary protection ends. So we will have very soon actually a discussion paper uh, that comes out with which we want to basically trigger the discussion about uh, the next steps. We also plan a policy brief and we have a very short commentary where, where we also put down why it is now time to think about the next steps. And probably also with all this talking now that we just had also about uh, the next steps and when it's good to start. I mean, why can't we use the time, uh, if it's really too early, why can't we use the time that is now there available as, as already a transition into one or the other solution? I think for all people who are involved, the earlier there is certainty, um, the better it is. I have a sort of a question which is um, a bit, yeah, very speculative. But do you think that the TPD is covering or is sufficiently covering even in the case if we would, God beware, but see another major wave coming from Ukraine, which was sort of predicted, but then not really happened. And now we can still not be sure that, you know, this is probably also one of the things that might be also a scenario for the future which we of course don't hope but it can be that it's a further escalation in ukraine and by russia in this case and that even more people might flee or that one more time a large-scale movement will be and then it's again a question will we need to restart one more time that directive mm -hmm. or not yeah so there are indeed such questions and such uh, possibilities these are possible scenarios and um There are some countries in Europe, which is mainly the UK, that has not applied the same. I mean, clearly they had their own system. Can you maybe say a little bit, a bit about this? The yeah, one that they exactly. So within the European Union, the Temporary Protection Directive is there and provides the, the protection for people fleeing. We have, of course, also non-EU European countries that are very like Switzerland or, or Norway, they also use a kind of temporary protection, but it's based on national laws. At the same time, the UK, for example, they use uh, quite different ways. They have quite their own system, which is basically very much connected to family reunification or extension of residence for Ukrainians who already were in the UK. Or they have also a scheme that is called Homes for Ukraine scheme, which is a kind of sponsorship model where citizens of UK can more or less sponsor Ukrainians to come. The difference is here, it is not a protection kind of thing like the temporary protection, but it is really a very specific kind of admission schemes that they have based on, on visa residence permits that they have and adapted particularly for Ukrainians. And is there any exchange also happening between the different uh, systems? Of course, of course. I mean, there is, especially in, in, in the framework of the Solidarity Platform, but there are many other fora that are there that already exchange. And I think this is not only within Europe, but also with other Western allies like Canada, the US. And so there, there are these uh, fora there, and I think it's very necessary to keep them on and keep them running. 
Dear Martin, many thanks for providing this very good overview and update on one year of Temporary Protection Directive. I truly hope that next time we meet, we will already be discussing sort of post-war scenarios and not the TPD any longer. Fingers crossed. And well, thank you very much for being with us. Thank you for having me. You're very much welcome. And to all our listeners, thank you once more for tuning in. We hope you found it as informative as I did. And see you next time. Stay up to date on ICMPD's activities and visit our website icmpd.org, sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media.